Today's guest is Jake Kaufman. Uh, Jake is a personal transformation coach to seven and eight figure purpose-driven coaches, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. He is um, somebody that I found through Facebook and I just really appreciate his perspectives. I've, you know, we'll, we'll talk about when we get into it, but I'm like, okay, okay. This guy gets it. Like he, you can tell that he's coming from a very centered place, not from the proving, prove my worth, like typical businessy stuff, you know? So, um, I was interested in his work and then he released a new book. Um, and it's called let love in just came out, um, this year, April 24th, just brand new book. So if you want to check that out at the end of the episode, make sure you go to Jacob Kaufman. That's K A U F F M A N.com slash, um, let love in book. And then of course it's on Amazon and um, all of those things as well. Um, you can find him on Instagram as I am Jake Kaufman. Um, and yeah, just this is like, I'd say, um, in terms of the mindsets, the healthy mindsets behind success in a more centered and grounded way versus this prove my worth, prove my value, all that energy. Like Jake is an awesome resource for this, that kind of talk. And I think you guys will see as we go through the episode, I learned a lot, really love his work. Uh, make sure you check out his book, let love in. We'll go ahead and jump in. Here is Jake Kaufman. All right, guys. So, um, Jake, I, I was told, telling him before we started, I'm very excited to talk to him because we became Facebook friends somehow. I don't even know how, and I have just so appreciated his posts. He's just, you can tell that you, um, have had a heightened awareness about the patterns that go behind success and proving energy. And, you know, you work with top performers, you've been in this world yourself for a long time. And I was like, oh man, there's only, there's really only one way that somebody gets that level of awareness. And it's when all the bullshit gets stripped away and you're like, you have to just sit there and sit with it and see your, all of your patterns, right? Like, I know that you've been through some darkness to be able to get to that level of awareness. So I was like, very excited to see that you have this book come out, let love in. Um, so we'll link that up for sure. But, um, I just, you know, we were starting to talk about it and I was like, hold on, we gotta, we just gotta <laughs> dive in here. Okay. Yeah. So like, take us back a little bit in your journey of, you mm -hmm. know, how this all started, how you got to the point of writing the book and just like what you're doing mm -hmm. now in terms of helping, helping men let love in, I guess we'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the part of my story and this is actually where the book kind of picks up off, is in my late 20s, I was a corporate professional, fairly successful, but I found myself sabotaging my success and pushing away love and intimacy when it came to my friends, when it came to family, when it came to romantic partners. And so I started picking up on this pattern mm -hmm. and I didn't have the language for it Mm -hmm. than that I do now. But what I would say to a client or to you would be that the pattern always reveals the problem. Mm. And so I was like, I need to figure out what's going on. Like, why do I continue to do this mm -hmm. despite not wanting to do it? Right. Right. Consciously, I want success. Consciously, I, I want a loving partnership. Mm -hmm. But I kept finding myself getting to a certain point in the relationship or in that professional opportunity only to sabotage it. Mm. So I had to figure out what was going on mm -hmm. beneath the surface, if you will, that was driving that behavior. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started going to therapy and 
in therapy, it came out that I just really had an aversion to intimacy. And the therapist was like, well, where do you think that comes from? I was just like, I don't know. And so we started basically going back through my childhood, all the painful events. Mm-hmm. And I told him about this experience that I had at summer camp when I was 12 or 13. And I just kind of glazed over it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'll never forget the look on his face. And he was like, wait, 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 go back. He was like, what happened? And I just retold the story. And it was the look on his face and like the disgust and the concern on his face that made me like put two and two together. Wow. And then he goes, have you ever thought more about that experience? And I was just like, oh, that was abuse, wasn't it? And he was like, yeah. (laughs) And that admission, that acknowledgement, as you can imagine, just exposed this Wow. Well, this well of pain that was just buried deep within my soul. Wow. And that sent me down the path of, of personal development because all of a sudden it made sense. My behaviors yeah. made sense because, so further context, I was abused in an acute incident at summer camp when I was roughly 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And all of my friends, same friends that I grew up with, same town, same school, same church, were all there and none of them tried to stop it from happening. And wow. so there were many different layers to this experience, right. not just not just what happened, but the betrayal that I felt right. um, from my friends not trying to stop it, the humiliation because right. you know they were basically all making fun of me wow. um, after the fact. And that followed that followed me around. I grew up in a town of a thousand people. So if uh-huh. someone knows if someone knows something, everyone knows, everyone knows. (laughs) And so, so I was bullied throughout middle school, throughout high school for that incident. Wow. And what I learned in therapy was after that abuse took place, I did what anyone would normally do, which is I started to wear masks, right? Right. I started to put on all these different masks. I started to perform So I started to act as if I had it all together. I was successful. So of course I became a three sport athlete, excelled in academics and in through college and then became super successful in, in my corporate career. But all of it was just an adaptation or an overcompensation to avoid dealing with that pain. Wow. So fast forward. I go down the path of personal development because I was like, okay, I need to work through this. I want to, I want to transcend this. I want this pattern of sabotaging my success and pushing away love and intimacy to end. Yeah. And it changed my life as you can, as you can probably imagine four years into my, my journey. So I first started going to therapy right around 27 ish, 28 and right around 31, 32. So this is early 2019. I just turned 37. Um, I shared my story on social media because I felt like I was in a really good place at that time to talk about it and to serve as the invitation for other people because I had been coaching for around a year at that point. And Mm -hmm. just in serving my clients, I was amazed by how many people had a similar experience to me, Mm -hmm. but had never told anyone, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not even, not even a therapist. Yeah. And so I was like, dumbfounded by the amount of people who have been through a similar experience, um, not just women, but also men. Yep. Yep. And I felt that sharing my story could inspire other people to step into their healing journey, not just, 
not post it on social media, but talk to someone about it, do something, do something about it. Right. And when I did that, my nervous system collapsed and I started to vomit immediately. I had a panic attack on steroids, vertigo, and this went on for the vomiting just in that moment, but the panic attacks, the dissociation from that experience lasted like six, seven months. Wow. And what I learned, because I, I immediately started going back to therapy because I was like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> right. You know, my body is just, I'm a passenger in my own body right now. And wow. I'm, I'm, I have no control over this. Mm. Um, consciously, I know I'm safe, but my body is reacting as if it's not. And yeah. so I need to figure out what's going on. So yeah. in therapy, I discovered that I started to wear masks after the abuse and the minute I posted it on social media, my story, those masks that I used to hide behind were ripped away. Wow. And they were they were no longer available. And now everyone knew mm. this shameful experience, this mm. humiliating, embarrassing, painful experience that I had gone through. Friends, family, colleagues, strangers, clients all know about it. I can't hide anymore. These masks that I've relied upon as a survival strategy unconsciously for two decades at that point were no longer available to me. And basically it tripped my reticular activating system in my brain. The amount of input, the amount of connection that I had been unconsciously pushing away because it didn't feel safe to my nervous system. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden I was flooded Totally. And my nervous system just bottomed out. Right. And it was, that was your original trauma for even putting the mask on as everyone knows, everyone thinks less of me or whatever it is, or they're going to be mean to me or whatever the stories were when you were like 12 or 13, that's the original story. And like, it's like literally now let's amplify that times. However, many people on the internet, thousands of people, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Thousands, thousands of people. Cause the amount of comments, the amount of text messages, the amount of phone calls that I started to receive was just beyond Mm -hmm. overwhelming. And I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It was too much, too soon, too fast. Mm -hmm. And so it was re-traumatizing in essence. Right. Right. And Suffice it to say, it led me down this this path where a deeper, deeper path of healing. And so I started to journal at the encouragement of my therapist. She's like, I think it'd be really helpful, really supportive if you started to journal about what's coming up for you. Mm-hmm. So I did. And I don't know, like 30,000 words in or something like that. I was mm-hmm. like, I bet this could really help people. I bet mm-hmm. this could serve, I bet this could serve as a roadmap for, for healing, uh, and for transformation. Mm. And you're definitely a writer, you know, like you definitely Thank know you. how to convey a point through writing. I see that a lot on your Facebook and I didn't even realize you had an Instagram. I saw that <laughs> when you, I was like, when I was preparing for the episode, I was like, Oh, okay. He's got stuff on there too, but yeah, you're yeah. very strong and sharing that way. So I'm glad that your therapist you. recommended that you essentially write your book <laughs> just through yeah. your own healing. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm, um, let's talk about this for a second. Cause so I was 
sexually uh, abused. I don't know mm. if I uh, yeah, abused, <laughs> um, but I'm open about it. I've, I've Sorry been through, I've been through a lot of healing on that one. Right. So for me to be sure. able to talk about that openly um, came mm-hmm. after many years of lots sure. of deep healing. And um, I personally didn't ever share that. I, I was the same as you, like originally in my life, like I was never going to tell anybody that happened. No one. I had not sure. ever talked to anyone. I was married for 13 years. I didn't even tell mm-hmm. my ex-husband. Like that's no. how like, nope, didn't happen. <laughs> yep. Right. And this was for a large part of my childhood. This was not an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. Yeah. So yours um, was, yeah, yours was chronic. Mine was acute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I mean, once you start diving into the healing, you're like, I had no idea how much shit was attached to that. I like, so if anybody's listening, if, you know, if this, especially men, I'm starting to see more and more men open up about this. Um, but like, I think for men, it's been even harder to talk about because no guys don't. And so then you feel like you're like this one weirdo and I'm here Mm -hmm. to say, you're not, you're not, (laughs) you're not alone at all, (laughs) which is a very, it's a very common ego strategy. Mm-hmm. is is to downplay what happened to you right survival because, right right because we've all we've all experienced emotional trauma mm-hmm. abuse assault a severe car accident or injury or something like that that's actually like the rarest form of trauma yeah. but emotional trauma like mm-hmm. neglect like abandonment even a breakup like a significant mm-hmm. breakup can be incredibly traumatic. Mm-hmm. Trauma is very misunderstood because trauma is way less about what actually happened to us. And it's way more about how we internalized it. Yeah. Right. Right. The, the stories that we made up about ourselves, other people, how we fit in with right. other people. And I promise and so, you, you don't know what they are. <laughs> if you haven't totally. gone to therapy or done deep work on this, it's I'm still finding little ways where I'm like, Hmm, that's an interesting pattern. Yeah. It came from that. Yep. I still, I still uncover little, little ways that that's sneaking in. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it is, um, worth diving into a healing journey. And I guess that kind of takes me to the next part in your book, like in the book. Cause I, I told, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I told Jake guys, I'm like, I haven't been able to read it yet. He sent it out to me. So I'll be very mm-hmm. transparent. I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to reading it. Like, are you, um, is this a main theme of the book is like uncovering these masks, these unconscious yeah. patterns to protect yourself? Yes, absolutely. And I actually provide tools for nice people to, for people to do that because the primary goal of the ego is to maintain the status quo. And the best way for it to do that is to hide the truth from you. Mm. Where mm-hmm. does it do that in your blind spots? Mm. Right? This is how we go on repeating patterns. This is how we struggle, or this is why we struggle, I should say, to rapidly progress in life, deepen into love and intimacy, mm-hmm. experience increasing success over, over a period of time. Mm-hmm. because we run into resistance, mm-hmm. right? We run into resistance and we don't necessarily know why it's attributed to us because our ego is working incredibly hard to keep right. us inside of our comfort zone by hiding the truth from us. Mm-hmm. Because the minute we become aware of our, our patterns, of our beliefs, of how we have internalized the trauma that we've experienced, whether it's big T trauma or little T trauma, mm-hmm. which we've all experienced, mm-hmm 
then all of a sudden we become in control of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But until that time, our trauma is going to be in control of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're working with men most. Do you work with women too? Or do you work with all men? So I work with all men at this point. I When I started coaching, uh, when I started writing this book, I was working with both men and women at the time. And so the book isn't necessarily written for men, but yeah. my work has evolved over the years because I obviously started writing this book over four years ago now. Right. Uh, so I've, I've progressed quite a bit personally and professionally myself. Mm-hmm. So I made the shift to serving men exclusively a um, little over a year and a half ago. Okay. Let's talk about it then. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I just want to pick your brain, you know, cause like, mm-hmm. like for me, I'll share, I mean, I work with men and women, but it's mostly women, right? Like I'll, sure. I'll usually have like a handful of male clients and the rest are all women. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, for, in my experience as a coach, like, I'm like, who wasn't sexually molested? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you're, you are the exception. That's how yeah. I feel from working with people directly. I'm like, you, you, it feels like you're the exception if you weren't, right. I'll just put it that way. And so mm-hmm. for women that can lead to all sorts of uh, a very, one very common pattern is to, um, protect themselves by like making themselves bigger because they think that like sure. more overweight because it feels threatening because yep. that stuff hasn't been healed. They feel threatened if, if guys are hitting on them or, you know, especially if it's been like more than just like being, you know, if they were raped or something very traumatic like that, sure. that's a super common self-protective mechanism. Yep. Another one is maybe hypersexuality, you know, being addicted sure. to like, it's kind of the opposite way of like, this is where I get love and value. I find that more with women yep. who are abused, especially by family members when they were really young. It was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is how I get love is like that. Right. right. So I see some of these um, common patterns in terms of like, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, being molested or being um, attacked or abused sexually. It mm-hmm. can just be any sort of trauma. What are some of the common things that you're running into with men, especially because you're working with a lot of like high performance men that are really mm-hmm. pushing it? Could we? Yep. Could we shed the light a little bit on some com- uh, common oh, man. <laughs> trauma yeah. responses you're seeing in the success men's success yeah. arena? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's what I will say is that oftentimes our greatest strength is an adaptation or an overcompensation to avoid experiencing pain. Oof. Chew on that one for a little bit. Very good. <laughs> That being said, when you've experienced any type of trauma, which again, we all have, it's just a kind of a matter of what type of mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. Religion does this, our culture does this as well. It has us unconsciously reject the less than ideal qualities about ourselves. Yeah. And then it has us posture position and and further reinforce the ideal qualities about ourselves right this tees us up for a life of performance mm. which when we're young is a natural necessary part in our development because there's a part of yeah. every young boy for example that needs to know that he's got what it takes right right to develop that healthy ego structure but this hypermasculine approach that so many men rely upon to become successful, that have them pushing, posturing, improving, that was always meant to fall apart. 
always. When you're set up for a life of performance, you naturally are put inside of a pressure cooker because there's energy going towards repressing and hiding these Mm -hmm. shameful, less than ideal qualities about yourself Mm -hmm. while simultaneously posturing and further positioning these ideal qualities about yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you put yourself inside of that pressure cooker, you're going to need a coping mechanism Mm. to relieve, to relieve the pressure and to deal with the, and to deal with the stress. Wow. Now it's very easy for us to demonize pornography, pornography, drugs, and alcohol, Mm -hmm. right? Because obviously they have, they tend to have negative effects, very, Mm -hmm. very profound negative effects, but we don't talk about oftentimes what I refer to as the noble coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. that our ego easily justifies. So work, for example, that's an easy one, right. just justified behind the guise of being growth minded, of being a hard worker, of wanting to provide for the family, mm-hmm. working out mm-hmm. and being, and being obsessed with your health and fitness justified behind the guise of being health conscious, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even caretaking, for example. Because if you think about it, if I'm constantly giving to other people, if I'm constantly serving other people, where is the focus not? The focus is not on me and how I feel internally. Mm -hmm. That's that's justified behind the guise of being a cheerful giver or being servant hearted. Yeah. So there's all these noble coping mechanisms that are very, very easy to justify. Mm -hmm. Pursuing financial success, even that's an, that's another one, mm-hmm. right? Justified behind the guise of leaving a legacy. That's a thing for me too. I'm like, oh, do we have a fear of insignificance? Do we? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's called your it's called your personal salvation project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love all of these. I I like to um, do a little exercise. I like to like challenge myself a lot. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm looking for. I feel like neutral energy around anything is really healthy. Right. And so I'm always looking for, I'm good either way. Right. So, um, recently, like I broke a rib and so I couldn't work out for like almost two months and and obviously you you got a broken something. I don't, know if I, bro- I don't know if I broke anything. I just think I got some soft t- tissue damage oh, on, my, no. on, the, on the outside of my wrist, but it's, uh, been like, okay. it's been like five weeks at this point. Right. Yeah. So it was like a couple months couldn't lift, but it was really interesting. Cause like, I almost liked it when it happened. I was like, okay, cool. I was like, this will be a good experiment yeah. to see like, like I'm going to completely take away like lifting and all my thoughts about like, I love yeah. to lift and work out and I'm just going to like, maybe, maybe I'll find out that I don't like that. Maybe, you know, like I like to challenge myself like that. Right. So I'm like mm-hmm. blank slate. I'm like, okay. And I, you know, for me, I just kind of slowly notice like, I was like, yeah, I just feel a little less alive in my body than I do, you know, and I feel like I'm in a balanced place, but it was cool to go in this place of like, maybe I'll just completely stop lifting altogether and like explore this whole new side of myself. Right. Or with work or with helping I'll This is my last one. And then I'll, I'll be, I'll let you share, but this one is a really great one that you, cause that was definitely a a one that I, I, I noticed that I kept saying, I just love to help. I would even say things like my purpose is to, 
Sure. I, I think it's funny, right? It's to help blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me think about that for a second. I'm like, yeah. you're saying you need all this stuff about helping a lot. Who would you be without helping? Right. And I really sat with that. That's, oh. that's the big question. Mm-hmm. Who, who would you be mm-hmm. without the need to help other people? Right. Or without success. Cause sometimes when I see yep. I mean, I'm just going to be really real right now. Like when I see people I know that are like really, really in that ego path of like, look at me, I made it. I'm successful. Look at my jets and my cars and blah, blah. And they're like really in it. Like I like, I worry a little bit. I need to let go of that. But I, but I sit there, I have a moment where I'm like, shit, man, if he lost everything, like I would put him as like a suicide risk. Cause he is like so identified in that. Like I would hope the best for him, but he is like, like you can tell, you know, when it's really deep in that. And I think anytime yeah. if you, if you face the music of what if I lost all this, right? Like I like to do that to myself. I'm like, what if I just completely like deleted my website and all my social medias and everything? Like, would I be okay with that? I'm like, I'm like yeah, most, most people are not. Right. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, I mean, you pointed out something super prevalent, which is that their ego has become so attached to that, Mm -hmm. that they don't know who they are apart from it. Yeah, right. And so, so if they lost it all, right, Mm -hmm. we glorify people who lose it all and then like build it all back up again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, But you oftentimes do not see the ramifications that has on say their mental health or their relationships or their spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you from having worked with a lot of very successful men, most Mm -hmm. of my clients are way more successful than I am, Mm -hmm. but it never, never ceases to fail that the most successful clients that I work with are also the most unhappy. Wow. Because their success. That's probably why they hired you. <laughs> yeah, well, because their their success was built mm. unconsciously by them posturing, proving, yeah. right? pushing, chasing, overreaching, striving for power, pre- possession, right. and prestige. Right. Right. And then they get it, right? And they're met with the fact that they're unhappy and unfulfilled. Why? Because all they've been doing is looking to success to perform their way around their pain. Yep. That's all they've been doing. Yeah. And then they wake up one day and they're like, got everything I wanted. And I feel empty. Mm. I feel empty. And yeah, that's, that is typically when people come to me and they're like, why do I feel this way? So, I mean, uh, without getting too much into the nitty gritty of what you do, like, do you start them on a, on a inner child? Like, when did all this start type of journey (laughs) typically? Like, do you send them to therapists? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you help Mm -hmm. them um, become aware of their blind spots typically? So couple questions in there. So yes, I do co-manage, I do co-manage, um, some of my clients care with, uh, a therapist with a, with a clinician. So yes to that. Mm -hmm. Um, we've bought into this lie that reaching our full potential 
looks like achieving some type of outcome that's out there. Right. Some, some type of ideal, whether it's an, whether it's an ideal life, whether it's an ideal version of ourselves that is in the future. When we've achieved some arbitrary weight, um, body image, uh, money in my bank account, whatever it is. Totally. Uh, And that couldn't be further from the truth. Totally. Transformation is ultimately a journey back home Mm -hmm. to who we truly are, which is why it is way, way more about becoming than, excuse me, unbecoming than it is about becoming. Totally. Because what you're, what you're essentially saying is that my happiness, what you're implying is that my happiness is, is somewhere out there. Right. And when we do that, what do we create? We create a timeline. Mm-hmm. And in that space is suffering because what we are saying, or sorry, what we are implying is that I can't be happy here and now because my ideal life, the ideal version exactly. of myself, exactly. my me at my highest potential is exactly. somewhere else in the future. Exactly. And so in order to return back home to who we really are, to our full and complete authenticity, we have to die to this admired personality, right. this, this identity that we have been unconsciously constructing mm-hmm. by chasing after success, by chasing mm-hmm. after a certain body image mm-hmm. by chasing after accumulating all of these different things, like the perfect house and the perfect car and the right, all right. these different things. Right. We have to die to that, that personality, that identity that requires pain. Most people don't realize this, that true transformation is always predicated on dying to something. Right. Right. It's much, it's much more about, unlearning then it's about learning because the mm-hmm. reason that we started to do those things in the first place was because we all we all do this when we're young kids unconsciously we ask ourselves the question who do i need to be and what do i need to do and how do i need to be perceived in order to be loved and accepted right. by mom and dad right admired by my peers and eventually as we grow older and we totally. move up move on into the workforce to be successful Yep. All of that is in response to pain or the possibility of pain. Because what's the opposite of being loved and accepted? That's to be rejected. Right. What's the opposite of being admired? It's to be abandoned or cast right. aside. Right. What's the opposite of, of success? It's to be a failure. Mm-hmm. All of that is in response to pain. Yep. And like I've said before, all of this is a natural part of our development and needs to happen. It right. needs to happen. So for men that are making hypermasculinity wrong, or these men who are just posturing, proving, and all these different things, mm-hmm. it's not that there's anything inherently wrong about what they're doing. They're actually playing a role very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. But again, like like we mentioned, the game that all of these hypermasculine men play in order to become successful that game was always meant to fall apart. Mm. 
it was always meant to fall apart so that we could return home back to who we truly are, which is to return to purpose. Mm. Where all of a sudden we're not concerned with asking ourselves the question, what do I want? Mm. We're now more concerned with asking ourselves or answering the question, what can I contribute? Mm. I love it becomes that. bigger. It becomes bigger than us. Yeah. I love that uh, the compassion that I hear in, in the lack of, you know, not judgment in terms of when we are caught in our trauma responses. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we've all, I mean, I always feel like I'm like, I'm going to find out I'm in another one, like five years from now, right now when I'm like, Oh, I healed all my trauma responses. I'm like, no, you didn't, (laughs) you know? And, and so like it's compassion. Right. And so it's easy. I I find actually, like I've been journaling a lot about judgment lately. It keeps coming up in my coaching and I just, the interesting it's got, it's kind of got me, but judgment, I feel like when we kind of, um, discover something about ourselves that maybe like a mask that we were wearing or, you know, trauma response we were living in a very common um, response I've seen to that is like as a self-protection mechanism to make sure that you don't go, make sure you don't go back into it. Like in this fear, you judge others who are in it. Oh, look at them. Right. And I'm like, what is that? It's a really common thing I see happen a lot with people. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. I start eating healthy. I'm going to judge people who eat unhealthy. Um, I, I stop being all money focused. I'm going to judge people who are money focused. (laughs) Like, wait, what's going on here? You know? So um, I love the compassion because like, to me, when we judge and, you know, and get in that fighting energy, we're entangling ourselves with that energy more when we just are like much love on your journey. You're just living out one of the infinite possibilities of source consciousness. Let go, go get them tiger, you know, like, and you just let it go. It's easier to stay in your own more, um, aligned, self-righteous. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When you get self-righteous, you actually engage with that energy more, you know, you're like, correct. Yeah, versus just you are. Go. Yeah. You are, you are trying to solve for the ego with more of the ego, which only gives you a more strongly reinforced ego. Yep. <laughs> well put. Yes, exactly. And so um, I love that you have compassion there. Like it's okay. Wherever we're at in our journey, that's all part of it. And you know, there's some places we yeah. can, some awarenesses we can come to here, like with grace yeah. and compassion is like, well, a hundred percent. Yeah. And th- this energy. is why, this is why so many men who are very, very attracted to this high performance, hyper masculine mm-hmm. coaching that has become mm-hmm. very widespread and very predominant. <laughs> it's often because they never, they never went through that phase as a kid. Interesting. And so now, so now they're super, they didn't develop that healthy ego structure that says, I can do this. I've got what it takes. Interesting perspective. So, so they're attracted to men who have that. Hmm. So even if that guy is like 35, yeah, they become attracted to these high performing, mm-hmm. hyper masculine men right. where it's all about possession, power, and prestige. Right. And the pursuit of those things, because they never actually properly developed as a young child, as a kid, as a teenager that says, I can do this and I have what it takes, which is why they're super attracted to it. So they haven't gone through, they haven't gone through that phase yet. They haven't properly developed 
Wow. Which is why they're super, which is why they're super attracted to it. And that's why it's become almost mainstream. Wow. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It needs, it needs to happen for them. That's such a great perspective. It, it needs, it needs to happen for them, but here's what, here's what eventually has to happen as well. That has to become incomplete and insufficient at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's when they come to work with someone like myself. Yeah. Right. Which set, which says I did it. I constructed properly. I constructed properly. Mm-hmm. Now I need to deconstruct. Now I need to die to all of these different aspects of my personality that some of which are, which are genuine, but a lot of which are in response to pain. I'm gonna ask Just you like hard, me. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a hard question or maybe it won't be hard. We'll see what you think. I'm an um, open book. I mean, I wrote a book about all my shit. So <laughs> <laughs> you like talking about hard things. Okay. So like what this is making come to mind for me is like, okay, but like what would be an ideal path in your perspective of like a young boy is born? Like what would be a healthier way? Like, do we really have to go and, and, and build this tower? Maybe, uh, that this, this big tower and then deconstruct it and rebuild it. I mean, maybe that's just how we learn and that's healthy. Do you think that there's, you know, in terms of families, you know, like in a idealistic world, do you have a viewpoint on that? What that would look like for a guy, like a healthy, path to like getting out all the, you know what I'm saying? Like all the testosterone (laughs) in a healthy way. Sure. Well, I have teenage, I have a teenage son and a 12 year old son and a 10 year old son. So that's, I'm asking selfishly. (laughs) Yeah. So the answer is no, there is no ideal path. There is your path. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I believe, I believe firmly that whatever path you're on, it's God doing totally. God's, God's will. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, we, we push this whole radical responsibility, extreme ownership <laughs> agenda. Uh-huh. We take it on ourselves. And then of course we projected onto other people Uh and claim that we have like the ideal path. There is no ideal path. There is, there is your path. There's your path to authenticity. And even then, even then I, I do believe that there are three meanings to life. I think that one of them is love. One of them is purpose. And then I think the other one is suffering in order to return to love and purpose. Mm, I like that. We all have to fall off the path so that we can get back For on sure. it. We all, we all go through this and we see yeah. this, we see this all the time. It's a paradox, but it's like this necessary pa- paradox that brings us back to who we really are. And it brings us back to center Right? Mm-hmm. We all have to, we all have to leave home at the end of the day so mm-hmm. that we can fully appreciate the greatness that is home mm-hmm. and the beauty that is home. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I see someone, you know, sabotage, which is just to self-protect, 
think self-sabotage is given a very bad rap. Um, mm. We struggle to meet that part of ourselves or that part of others with compassion without realizing that it's actually one of the core meaning meanings of life suffering mm. in order to return to love and purpose. Mm. So it's just yeah. life, God, the universe playing itself out naturally mm -hmm. in order to ultimately guide us back to the truth of who we really are and why we're really here. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in an interesting position right now. My mom is like very close to end of life. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just like, it's brought a lot up in me in terms of like, it's all perfect. Just it's, we don't know what that soul needs. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just this surrender of like, I'm, I, I do really strongly feel that like everything that happened in her life was exactly what her soul needed on her soul's evolution journey. And it brings a tremendous amount of peace. And, um, to kind of wrap that up with the, the, so my boys, it's, it's been really interesting being in like mindset and personal development, you know, sure. very curious mind in terms of mm -hmm human behavior and psychology and all of this and having kids. Right. And sure. what I've noticed in my boys, um, it's like, they have this innate, like biological desire to like, go explore, go do things. Like I yeah. want a knife. I want a pocket knife. I want to go camping. I want to go, you know, my 15 year olds, like I want to go backpacking. I want, but he's like at his whole Amazon list. Yeah. He's like, I will do whatever it takes to earn this stuff. Like, like yeah. I want to explore. I want to, you know, yeah. and earning, so earning, proving. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's, con he's constructing perfectly. Right. And so, you know, I think about that and then I'm like, I wonder if, you know, if uh, I, I think it's healthy, I think it's healthy it for, for boys to be able to express that. And I, you know, that's, I guess that's where my mind is going with it is like, let them, let them get it out of their system. It's kind of like the, the ultra religious people who like never got to party. And then they're like 45 and they get out of religion. Overcompensate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they overcompensate. Correct. Right. Yeah. And then they <laughs> go, they go hog wild. Like you, like you mentioned, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful, it's a really beautiful path, mm -hmm. um, to, to walk at the end of the day. You know, I think that, you know, the key to life is to die before you die. Mm. And I do believe that we all will eventually experience necessary suffering, death, disease, divorce, extreme doubt that provides us with this call that we can answer or not that awakens us to like this further bigger journey where it's no longer about us. It's no longer about chasing the golden carrot. Right. You know, it's, it's no longer about power, possession, and prestige. It, it's about what can I give? What can I contribute? What do I need to do to be of highest service to other people? What is my gift? And how can I cultivate that so thoroughly mm. that I achieve the highest possible degree of impact in other people? Because mm. my purpose, it's not about me. My purpose is much bigger than me. 
Mm-hmm. That was always meant to be the point. In the beginning, it's all about us. It's all about yeah. our ego and right. you know ach- achieving and succeeding. And then eventually we have to break out of that in order to find fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has to, our purpose or whatever we're about, whatever we're about, whatever we're pursuing has to eventually become bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're making me think of Ram Dass's Becoming Nobody. I don't know if you've yeah, seen that. Um, great. And yeah, I think there's a, there's a, a point at least that I've discovered where it's really balanced between the giving and receiving in terms of, I also matter, but in a different way, meaning I need rest or I don't have the bandwidth for that, or I just need some time in silence to fill my soul and like be able to, to give, you know, pour from a full cup. Like it's this balance. Whereas I feel like when I was in the soup, cause I was, I was all up in that trauma response for a very long time in my life. Like the sure. honor society president, Spanish honor society president, like captain of blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I went all the way yeah. you know? and um, it's like in that energy, there's a lot of uh, self-abandonment, you know, you think it's for you, but it's not. It's like you're tired all the time and overworked and exhausted and your brain is going like a million miles an hour. And it's only been in for me like the last, I don't know, a few years that I've like, I'm like, no, <laughs> no. And and it there's a balance though. There's a, of course I want to contribute, you know, sure. of course, what else would I do? It's it boring yeah. after a while, just being in pure presence. It's like, we're here for a reason, you know, <laughs> but yep. But there's also a balance. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say most people, most people just get stuck in that though. Yeah. Running, running from their pain. Yeah. By chasing success and achievement. Right. And they oftentimes do, they oftentimes do become incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. They become these ultra super performers <laughs> and yet they massively struggle with anxiety yeah. with depression and a lot of them are committed committing suicide yeah and so that it's- tells you that like something's going on that that we kind of need to address we kind of need to awaken to so for many men the best question that they can ask themselves is if my greatest strength is a compensating strategy, what is my greatest strength for? So it's, I, I mean, I would assume it's to protect them from that hidden thing that they don't realize they're protecting themselves from, right? Correct. So it will help them discover what that is. Absolutely. Because fundamentally what we're talking about is the hero's journey which was popularized as a framework for storytelling, yeah. but is really about the spiritual personal journey that we all must go on in order to return back to our true self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The most we glorify the hero, you know, slaying the dragon conquering the kingdom, saving the princess, whatever it is, we glorify that stage in the process. 
but it's arguably the least important part in the process. The most important part is when the hero goes through the cave because that's that's when he dies mm. to who he has become yeah. in an attempt to run away from pain so that he can become who he needs to be to fulfill his destiny. Mm. Mm. But the cave is literally defined by suffering, darkness, pain, and confusion. So most people want nothing to do with this. Most people want nothing to do with this necessary suffering that was meant to wake us up, to break us free of our egocentric preoccupations so that we could go on this further journey of purpose, of fulfilling our destiny. This, if you believe in like, that we were all born with a divine blueprint. That's arguably the most important part mm. where we die to all of these different parts of our personality that are just compensating strategies to avoid dealing with, with our pain. Mm. It's funny. Cause when you, I resonate so deeply with that and it, it made me think of like, well, why be in the cave when you could just be slaying another dragon and everyone's like, yeah, you're awesome. And then before you know it, right. you're just spending your whole life just slaying dragons. And then nobody starts pretty soon. Nobody cares about you slaying dragons anymore. And you're like, when you could have gone on this whole other, much more soul fulfilling path, you know, it kind of makes the dragon slaying look like a grind and lame. Well, cause <laughs> it requires weakness. That's why yeah. mm. it, re it requires weakness. Mm. And we don't want to be weak, mm. but, you know, if regardless of whether or not, you know, you're a Christian, I, I look at the Bible as a, as a book filled with wisdom. Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus mentioned when I am weak, then I am strong. Right. Right. Before, before he was crucified, he asked God to take this cup, the mm -hmm. cup being the crucifixion mm -hmm. from him. It was this paradoxical moment of powerful powerlessness mm -hmm. that by admitting this moment of weakness right. that he was, that he was afraid. Right. Paradoxically, he displayed an immense amount of courage totally. in doing so. That's why most men resist this process mm -hmm. is because it requires that we be made weak. Right. It requires that we completely kind of fall apart, similar to a butterfly in a chrysalis. Yep. The chrysalis feels like a curse. It does, but <laughs> it's the only thing that can lead to rebirth. Mm. Yeah. I, um, full transparency have been going through like, kind of like a long extended ego death the last two or three months. I could barely be on mm. social media or even in stores or like anything. And Ooh, it was a lot of letting go. And it, I was trying to explain it to a friend. I'm like, I don't know how to put words on it, but I was like, probably most people would call it depression, but I knew I wasn't depressed. It was just like this necessary letting go of all of these ego attachments, identities. Like I was just done. I was just done. You know, I was like, honestly, mm -hmm. the only thing I felt connected to in the whole world was my kids. I was like, am I going to die? And I'm still kind of like in it. I'm still I'm back on social. I'm kind of observing. I'm seeing, you know, I'm just kind of rolling with it, but it, it is kind of depressing. And like, if you mm -hmm. think about it, I'm like, look at a caterpillar in a cocoon. Does that look like, yay. Does that, 
No, it was a freaking mess. It's like, it looks painful. It looks horrible. You know, that's mm-hmm. what transformation feels like. And those lucky little bastards get a cocoon, a private little cocoon. We right. have to like show up at work and make dinner. Yeah. And like, like, pay hi, our, pay our bills. Deconstructing yeah. every reality yeah. right now. How's it going, yeah. everybody? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's fundamentally exhausting because grieving is exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's really, really hard to show up mm-hmm. and do the basics of what you need to do in terms of your ever your everyday right. responsibilities because there's a fundamental lack of motivation that also comes with this process where you right. just lose, you lose passion, you lose motivation, you lose desire. We, we call it depression. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just the fallout from going through this dying process where we completely rid ourselves of these egoic preoccupations. Yep. Yep. Like we're no longer willing to play the game even if even if habitually we are tempted to go back into it mm-hmm. and and sometimes we do so unconsciously that's a normal part in the process mm-hmm. where like we become aware of the game we've been playing but then mm-hmm. we still are prone to do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's called this it's called the stumbling process <laughs> it's called it's called liminal space which means threshold mm. we are in between two rooms Mm. We are in between our old self and our new self. We haven't yet, we haven't fully left Mm -hmm. this old room and stepped into this new room. We haven't Mm -hmm. fully left behind our old self and stepped into our new self. And in that space is tension Mm. and not knowing. Mm -hmm. And most people can't handle that. Mm. There's resistance. And so if your predisposition is to be a risk taker, well, then you're just going to go back into that mm-hmm. old way of doing and living and being. If your predisposition is to operate from fear and avoid taking risks, then you're likely to just go back and do that because mm-hmm. the tension in liminal space, right. the resistance that you experience, the uncertainty, the not knowing, which men especially cannot, cannot fucking deal with, it mm-hmm. seems. They, they just, they go back, they revert back to what they know and what's familiar, mm-hmm. right? What they're good at rather than surrendering to the weakness, mm-hmm. giving themselves fully over it, over mm-hmm. to it. The problem is that requires faith and, and faith feels like falling and falling always yeah. feels like dying. Yeah. Yeah. And so most people don't ever cross that threshold. They end up going back into their old ways of doing, living, being, and operating because the weakness that's required, it's so hard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's necessary because it's the only thing that will get us to let go of all of that. Yeah. All of these habituated mental resources, ways of doing, being, and living, like I mentioned, it's the only thing that can get us to cross over mm. is this, is this pain is this weakness that we just fundamentally can't deal with that we can't bear. Mm. That's why it's so hard. 
Yeah. And that's why every hero needs a guide. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about that. We will wrap it up, mm. but um, I mean, I love following you just on Facebook and, and then now you. Instagram also. So we'll link that. Is it, I am your Instagram's I am Jake Kaufman. Yep. I am Jake Kaufman. Okay. And then your website and how people can reach out to you. Yeah. My website is my full name, jacobkaufman.com. Okay. And I'm not sure when this episode is going to be dropping, but um, pretty soon we'll bump it up because well, you got a book. <laughs> yeah, well, the the official published date is this coming Monday, April 24th. But in between now and then, people can purchase the ebook for 99 cents. So, okay, uh, considering it's less than a cup of coffee, I would like to think that it's a steal. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and then it goes uh, officially on sale where you can buy a physical copy of the book, which you'll be getting in the mail yeah, um, on I? Monday, April 24th. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. And so, yeah, we'll link that. Is it, what's the book website link? The website is um, jacobkaufman.com backslash ebook, but e-book? I can send the, okay. yeah, I can send the link to you so that you can put it in the show notes. Okay. Thanks. And then of course, I'm, is it going to be on Amazon and or just, just yeah. go there? Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it'll be available on Amazon as well. Let love in and you can just put my full name, Jacob Kaufman. Okay. Awesome. Let love in guys, make sure you give them a follow. It's, it's definitely one of the few, I don't really like consuming social media. I'll be honest. It's really hard for me to want to consume social media, but your stuff is worth it. There's a few people I'm like, okay, cool. Social media is a good place sometimes. So, and you're one of those. So I appreciate all the content you put out. Appreciate you doing your own work, leading by example and putting this book out. I know that's, uh, it's vulnerable writing a book and yours is way more. Mine's like about keto. Like yours is like way more. vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) So way to be. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and for the work you're doing. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. 